Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In one of the world's most populated cities, two brothers, Nadim and Saud, devote their lives to this quixotic effort of protecting the black kite, a majestic bird of prey essential to the ecosystem of New Delhi that has been falling from the sky at an alarming rate amid environmental toxicity and social unrest. The Kite Brothers spend day and night caring for these creatures in their makeshift basement. The film is called All That Breathes, and we're joined today by the director, Shanak Sen. Shanak, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful film to watch. It is a meditative film. We watch these brothers and their friends and family really get a, a feel for their world, for their environment, and and what their interpersonal relationship is. How did you get to know them? How do you know them? And, and at what point did you think this was uh, a good idea for a project? Well, the thing is that for anybody that's been living in Delhi in the last few years, the air itself has become a really pressing, heavy, oppressive, concrete kind of thing. The sky is this kind of a monochromatic expanse. Um, you're surrounded by this kind of omnipresent grayness. You're constantly talking about the noxious fumes you're breathing in, what the pollution levels are. It's like part of everyday discourse, right? So. Um, I was interested in making something on the triangulation of air, birds, and humans. And um, that's when I started thinking of what happens to birds that fall off a polluted sky. And that's when I first researched about the brothers, Nadim and Saud, and visited them. And when you go to that tiny derelict basement, you realize that, on, so you know, it's like heavy metal cutting machines on one side. It's very industrial and it's very um, damp. But at the same Time, when you look to the left, you have this these incredibly regal, magisterial birds. So the sheer salient bipolarity of these two places, of these two things in the same place, was very cinematically uh, riveting. And that's how the film essentially started. It was this kind of a absurd surrealness of this family and how they lived with the black kites and how they became a kind of metaphor for a much bigger ecological condition and that's how the film initially began i had read about the air pollution in some of the major cities around the world china i know is uh, many, many of the major cities there are becoming almost uninhabitable due to air quality and i was vaguely familiar with the situation in new delhi it seems that the city may be becoming uninhabitable. If if what I'm watching in this film is accurate in the sense that the pollution is that pervasive and that toxic, how and there are degrees and degrees of uninhabitability, right? When does something become uninhabitable in a way that because you know human beings can really adjust to anything and. Uh, just like the PPM or the PM 2.5 or PM 10 index, which says really bad, very unhealthy, toxic, hazardous, you know, there are these yeah. stratified layers. Uh, but in an ideal world, we shouldn't be living in places which cross unhealthy. But I mean, it's been unhealthy, more than unhealthy for close to a decade now, yeah. at least. 
I'm just curious. I mean, it's industrialization and it's a, apparently a lack of uh, regulation in terms of the amount of air pollution that's going out. How widespread is their story? Are these two brothers' story about them rescuing these birds? I, I ask that because birds falling out of the sky sounds pretty alarming. And I'm, and I'm wondering if there's any sort of realization or acknowledgement of that in terms of its relationship to humans. Um, well, firstly, I, I think they're known in niche circles and people who are interested in birding or ecology might have, but it's very niche. So like, you know, a general person, my mom wouldn't have heard of them. But for that matter, my mom wouldn't uh, have heard of birds falling out of the sky either. Because it's a huge city, and if 25 birds are falling down injured, then, um, and because they're either getting entangled in paper kite trails or, you know, wires and so on, then that's not, it's a, it's not, it's not a big number or an event, unfortunately, right? So, um, you know, the problem with climate change is that it's, it has a kind of quotidian slow banal march until the point that it doesn't. And up until then, it becomes, so it's only now we've reached a point where it's in everybody's face. So it's very difficult to ostrich away and stay in denial. Yeah. But uh, that's why it's such a difficult and a naughty, uh, nasty topic to handle because it's difficult to get everybody to believe that the very world you're living in, the very air you're suspended in, is antithetical to your sense of sustenance or well-being. I agree with what your assessment on that is. Uh, I uh, want to focus on what's important in the film beyond th this sort of backdrop of what the, these brothers are doing and how it's impacting people's health is that the relationship between them. It's really f a fascinating and um, interesting. And it is the thread that pulls this film along is their relationship as well as the backdrop of sectarian unrest mm -hmm. muslims and hindus unable to navigate the world together mm -hmm. or, or at least there are fissures within the communities and that's a really important part of the film and i felt like you did a wonderful job of it's it's in the ether of the film this unrest this this contention between these two groups mm -hmm. how is it on the ground how is it living in new delhi is 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 it was there something about the period of time when you were filming that it was at a heightened state or was it or is this kind of the norm well the film uh initially when it started was meant to be primarily ecological and not political in the more frankly conventional sense of the word but the city of delhi in the last two odd years uh, those two years uh, was very on the boil and we were going through a very tumultuous turbulent period and even though the brothers themselves are not very political beings, unrest in the world outside sort of would leak in every now and then. And it would just, uh, and that's what happened. It sort of, um, we had to respect the fact that there's a certain integrity of what the brothers believe in. They believe in a kind of politics between humans and birds, which I think is also political, but not political in a very conventional sense of the word. What essentially happened is that it was, it was, it was unfair to, and entirely eschew the trouble outside, while I didn't want to train the camera entirely on it. So essentially what we do is it's the figure of the leak, the real outside world leaks in through audio. So the sound of the murmuring crowds outside you hear when a character goes to the 
balcony the sound of uh, videos of violence you can hear so it's always you sense the political instead of directly encountering it uh, it's not pedantically to and in fact now i think in hindsight i prefer it this way where it's oblique and it's tangential and you sense it and it forms the epistemic wallpaper of their lives but it's not so much a clear and present on the nose uh, thing so and that's how it articulated itself in their lives as a kind of a uh, thing that they had to deal with and the medical that is the brothers lives is what it is because despite all the odds and all the tumult in the city they would still put their heads down and soldier on you know yeah. like and there's a kind of radical hope with which they invest their everyday life with and they find these kinds of micro gestures and uh, this is very very important it's they're like you said quixotic people who's who feel like life rafts of redemptive hope, hope to me that is a beautiful way to put it their work in saving the lives of these beautiful creatures these black kite birds are the, to see them as vulnerable and to see them work with these birds and to see them nurse them back to health, some version of health. Again, I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that it's very meditative style and pace to the film. It allows us to understand, I think, in some way, the connection beyond just them caring for it. There's a there's a there's a humanity to the connection an all world we all are we're all in the same world kind of connection to the to what they're doing with these birds i'm just curious are the a lot of the footage of them helping these birds cleaning them up and getting them back in to some kind of shape they seem very passive are the birds is it because of this condition they're in or are they generally that passive of of a bird how do you mean passive well they seem to be at have no problem with them with the brothers working on them to get them cleaned up and whatever. There didn't seem to be any. Well, they're otherwise ferocious animals. They're raptors. And uh, I mean, I'm not very comfortable uh, touching them at all because, you know, they have sharp talents and can be scary. But the brothers are expert animal handlers. And, you know, they know exactly where to hold the kite for it to not resist. So, uh, yeah, please don't go by the uh, what you see in the film in terms of the birds uh, being handled by the brothers, because those birds will really mess you up if you try and hold them. <laughs> well, they oh, good. I, I will. I heed your advice on that. I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the director of a terrific documentary film called All That Breathes, and that would be Shanak Sen. This film has the distinction of being the first film, first documentary film to win the Grand Jury Prize at the Sundance Film Festival, as well as Best Documentary at the Cannes Film Festival as well. What was that like when you realized that uh, your film was receiving this level of attention and this level of, of recognition? Unreal. I think I'm still processing it. And of course, on a simplistic level, you're beside yourself with joy. But beyond that, you're just like, you know, the film just took a lot out of me. So it, the fact that, and a lot of us went through a lot of personal tragedies, uh, like I lost my dad in the middle of the film and so on. So, you know, it feels like you're still trying to come to terms with the fact that an obscure film about birds that you thought, I'm already just getting into Sundance and Cam was already a very big deal, let alone win it. 
and now the film is releasing theatrically in the UK tomorrow and in the US next week. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. It's opening uh, in New York um, at the Film Forum on the 21st of October, and it's opening here in Los Angeles on the 28th of October. But um, how how long a period of time did you film? Uh, almost three years. Three years. That's dedication. And and we see other aspects of the brothers' lives and their friends and family in terms of where they want to go with their lives. The one particular scene that really I thought was interesting and fun was them swimming across the river to retrieve some birds. I, th I thought that added a nice element of um, just them basically trying to, to be in brothers, being, you know, family and such. That there was a you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes in the film where um, they are generally fairly passive, generally fairly dedicated to what they're doing, but we do see these moments in their lives that are that take them out of that particular. Yeah. So I think the brothers are have a kind of you know like they have impossible acts of everyday radical helpfulness, yeah. which is very difficult for uh, regular people like you and I to conceive of you know like they hear of a injured bird on the other side of the river and they swim across uh, at, even though at points it was a bit scary you know so uh, they take risks and it's natural to them they'll Salik will climb down steep shafts and buildings if there's an injured bird that's stuck there it's what they do and it's like they have a kind of dry resilience which is unsentimental stoic and they don't go about it making a fuss they're very chill yeah. And um, that's what's so special about them. So that moment of swimming across a whole river to save one bird and swim back, it was a big deal for us. But it's the sort of thing that they, that's part of their everyday fabric, and which is why they're singular, exceptional human beings. I couldn't agree more. I did also want to mention that uh, All That Breathes will also be playing on HBO. I'm not sure of the dates, but somewhere along the line, it'll be opening on HBO as well. So you have that to look forward to. I strongly recommend to our listeners that they check this out. Uh, it isn't often that uh, you have a chance to just really get to know someone over the course of a film in the way that you present and to see these act of kindness that uh, that you're talking about, uns unselfishness and uh, without any sense that there's a reward around the corner for what they're doing. They're doing it because it's something that they feel compelled to do for a lot of different reasons. Is that a fair way to? Yeah, sure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The film again is called All That Breathes, and we've been talking with the director, Shanak Sen. Thank you so very much for your time and thank you for uh, for a wonderful film. Appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music